Hey guys, welcome back to the Endo Chats podcast. It feels really good to be back. Some of you may already know that season two is coming very soon, but this isn't part of that. This episode has come about because as I'm sure a lot of you listening right now are aware, over the past few days, it's come to our attention as a community that there have been some concerns regarding the organization Quendo. Now, as a podcast host and one that feels very strongly about holding people and organizations accountable, I feel like this is the perfect place to ask those questions and get them answered in a direct fashion. The questions that have been asked were posed to Kat over on her Instagram at the new patient zero and myself. And I have genuinely tried to include everyone's that I have read. I just want to make it really clear that I don't stand with one sole organisation. I am merely the neutral ground from which members of the community are able to get answers. I am here to advocate for endometriosis and the endometriosis community and that's it. Just an added note to please be kind to me. I have worked really hard to try and get this to you guys in a timely fashion. And if you do think that I've missed anything or you feel like some of your queries or concerns haven't been answered, please send a message to Quendo directly as they do state throughout this podcast episode that they are more than happy to answer and take on people's individual's concerns. So bearing all that in mind, let's get on with the podcast. Hey guys, so welcome to the Endo Chats podcast. It's actually really good to have you on. We have a lot to get through today. There are lots of questions that people want answered. So let's start by first of all, finding out what your roles are within Quendo. We have Jess and Ash here with us today. So Jess, if you'd like to start and then Ash, you can follow. Thanks, Corinne. So my name is Jess. I'm the president of Quendo and that's a volunteer role. I also work eight hours a week um to help the Quendo app uh, and make sure that it meets all criteria and that's a part of our funding. Um, um, hi, I am Ash. I am Quendo's treasurer. So I'm in charge of all monies incoming and going, um, knowing where funds are being spent, all that sort of stuff. So it's very important um, you know, for me to be able to clear up any funding questions as yeah, well. Yeah, awesome. I'm really glad we've got you on because a lot of the questions are around funding and um, transparency. So it's good to have you here. We're going to jump straight in with the questions. And what I've done is I've broken them down into sections um, and I've got the, the most asked questions that have come through. I've tried to include everyone's questions. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> um, but we'll start off with the first one. So across your social media, Quendo claim to be a 100% volunteer run organization. I guess I just wanted to clear that up to start with because there's been um, some queries around who is actually paid, what they're paid and what that's for. Sure. So Quendo have lots of different services. Those services include the support line, we have training, we have education, we have resources. Then we also have the app. So it's very, very different. For the app component, which is uh, essentially to ensure that the app meets all funding criteria, it is you know, in line with our service agreement with the government. There is a paid person, myself, eight hours a week to ensure that it meets every single thing that we need to do. Um, 
Then there's also the voluntary side. So all of the services that we run, um, all of the people on the management committee. So my role as president is voluntary, very separate to the app and everyone else is paid, is, sorry, is voluntary. I'm the only person that receives a, um, an ongoing, you know, salary in line with that uh, contract and that agreement with the government. There is an end date to that. <laughs> and my contract to essentially ends when that end date does. Now, I worked for um, Queensland Health when that app was all kicking off and I needed to step away from my job there um, to make that happen. And so, um, you know, I have a mortgage, I have a family and I needed to, um, you know, obviously supplement my income and Queensland Government were very happy to um, have that included in that budget. That is a specific project. We have over the years had other projects where we've gone for grants, we've done specific education, schools education, which, um, you know, where people were paid as a contractor to help that happen. So, um, you know, as an example, the app needed some blogging done, it needed some content to be written, it needed some reports to be written. So as a part of that particular funding with the, with the government, we had budget there to be able to pay for that. And we did. And we were able to use people in the Quengo community because they knew the community so well. They were so involved in the development. It was, it was really nice to be able to provide some payment for the, that specific work. Another example is the PET program, um, Schools Pilot in Queensland. Now we went around for two weeks across Queensland and delivered the pilot into, into those schools. So to do that, to take two weeks off of my work, I had to take leave without pay because, um, you know, I have, I often use a lot of my, I used a lot of my rec leave to go to Canberra to advocate and lobby the government to get the national action plan up. Or there are so many other events where I've had to personally use annual leave and then I didn't have any annual leave left. So I had to take leave without pay. And then as a part of that particular grant funding, specifically um, was to pay a project manager, I guess, essentially, to get that program into, um, you know, that pilot into Queensland schools. And so that money specifically came out of that bucket. Just like so many different organisations, charities and governments, we have all these different buckets. And Ash's job is to see, okay, how much comes in to that bucket? What needs to be spent? Do we have enough money? And then we have to, you know, it's like a profit and loss thing you know you cancel each line out as things come through so that's the situation everything else is voluntary you know um, my particular time as president is voluntary everything that goes involved with that if you look up until 2019 when the app contract kicked off everything else was voluntary before then too yeah and obviously I completely understand and I think a lot of the community understand that people have to be paid to do the work sometimes I am a big believer in just because you work for a not-for-profit or for a charity that you you know everybody should be a volunteer because essentially we want people that have the skills to do the job and that quite often means you have to bring people in that are paid I think 
the issue was around the claim that it was 100% volunteer. So do you think that from now on, maybe there could be some alteration in that claim, just so that it meets with the fact that, you know, sometimes you or other people are paid? Yeah, for sure. And we've we've taken that as a learning. That particular social media post um, wasn't approved to be online. And we raised concerns when it was posted um, with the individual that posted that about it. And so, you know, it's, we've learned a lot from this and we're looking to see, okay, how can we better communicate what happens here? Um, but it's also great to know what people actually want to know because up until recently, we, we haven't really ever been asked. And so we can now go, okay, very clearly, if, if this comes up, we can be really specific to say, um, you know, if we're going for this particular project or a particular grant funding or whatever, um, it's a big learning for us to go, okay, um, this is a particular part of the money and this is who we can pay. So all of those communications, I guess, that we have when we're deciding these things, sharing with the community, we're happy to. We just didn't, we didn't know that they really were interested, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Of course. And now, you know, you can put the things in place. I think, as I've previously mentioned before, you know, transparency is key in every aspect of a business or an organization or not for profit or in just life in general. But when you're representing a community that have been gaslighted their entire lives and not given all of the information, I think it's yeah really important to learn from this and do those breakdowns so that people can feel comfortable in the knowledge that the money is going where it's supposed to go on that topic um someone did actually specifically sorry can, sorry, can I just elaborate a little bit into that very quickly yeah um you know it's no secret it's never been a secret that Quendo pays one person myself um for the app so people in the organization people out outside of the organization we have shared that quite openly and I have you know when I started when I started with this organization I think there was like two thousand dollars or three thousand dollars in the bank and because we can't we started at that I've always been really open to say I don't believe that that donations should pay a wage when we get and that's why we go for grant funding that's why we go for for specific projects to be able to employ people or offer them contracts. There, there needs to be that um, difference there because I've also seen other organisations who aren't transparent. I've come from that space and I've gone, this doesn't sit right with me. And so I've been so actively trying to say that to people. And that's why I guess it was um, such a learning to go, oh, well, maybe we should have shared that also on social media or wherever. So yeah. Lots of learnings there. Yeah, okay, cool. That's good to know. Um, Ash, I think there might be a question for you. In regards to the Peachy Keen um, profit, mm-hmm. is there something that that's directly streamed into? Is it spread across all the different buckets? Whatever is made from that, is that di- kind of donated or given, you know, straight back into different projects or is some yeah, of that yeah. Else? sorry it's a great it's a super great question so the peachy king um, range that we have we make very little from the products 
um, to start with. But the money that we do raise from those, they go straight back into like reinvesting for um, better products um, and they go back into, you know, projects that the community are after. Um, you know, if people make a purchase, they can put a note in and say, I would like my funds to go to you know, research, it can go to education, it can go to awareness. Like they have that option to put in a note. They, you know, they can, especially, you know, in going back to the donation side of things, if people want to donate to a specific area, they can let us know that. Um, and it's the same with, you know, across all of our services. We've got so many sort of different buckets that we make sure, you know, don't, you know, don't just get wasted. They sort of sit there and build up. So when we want to have bigger projects that we don't get funding for, that's when we can go, right, okay, well, we can use that money towards that. Yeah. Does that sort of help answer? It does make sense. Yeah, it does make sense. And I think the way you guys have broken it down is is really good. And I think from the sounds of things, you guys definitely know now that the the community would love things to be broken down in a way that's, you know, in bite-sized information that is true and correct and makes sense. Um, I did just want to clear one more thing up. I'm going to kind of tie in the volunteering and the funding together. Um, So there was somebody that asked the question, is it true that volunteers have to pay to attend the events they volunteer at? Yeah, look, recently we were able to bring in where they paid for their service meal. But people, you know, people are volunteers. They willingly help out and, um, you know, help out if they want to be involved in events. It's completely up to them. We ask them if they are willing to, then they do. We don't make a lot of money off events. Like it's not this massive amount of money that we can, um, we can make. And only recently, recently we've been able to start to budget because we've built up um, you know, some really cool events that we've been able to go, okay, um, you know, pay for a service meal at the event. So pay for your lunch essentially or your dinner. And um, then we can, you know, uh, help out in some way. But if I, you know, if I think of all the other organisations that I've been a part of, I've had to pay to go to events as well. They're, they're big, um, big events. There, it's something that we can work on, but we also need to look at our budget because we often lose money at those events too. They're not big money makers. Um, a lot of the time, they're to bring people together. I'd love, we'd love to bring, we'd love to make money, you know, big money out of them. But the reality is, we try and keep the ticket prices low so it, we can um, cover our costs and bring people who, you know, endo and adeno and all of those conditions. It's such an expensive disease. So if we wanted to make money, we'd need to, you know, put a $200 ticket on events um, to cover that. But at, at the end of the day, people don't have that money because we, and we'd also rather than spend that money on the health treatments that they need. So for some people, and, and unfortunately, people do need to pay for their ticket to come to events. Like I said, it's only recently that we've been able to be in a position where we can cover, um, we've asked, you know, the, the conversation was let's just cover the service meal um, and you know the rest of that is absorbed in other things like raffles or um, if someone is raffles. a volunteer and they're willing to volunteer their time but they don't have the yep. money to attend like to pay for the ticket for the event 
if that concern was raised with you guys, then that would be okay. Because essentially they may potentially be giving up a paid day's work to come and help out with an event. Yeah. Um, yep. So it's just, you know, if that concern was raised with you guys, like I really want to come and help. I'm taking a paid day off to come and help, but I cannot afford to pay for my ticket, but I'm giving you my time. That would be okay. Look, it's not okay. It's just the situation of where it is. You know, we would love to get to a stage where we could build events so that our volunteers that are coming in donating their time with us um, can, you know, have that that ticket free of charge. But the reality is like often we're $6,000 already in the negative before the events even kicked off. And we hardly make, you know, we might make $3,000 actually at the raffles or on the day. So it's, you know, it is an issue. Like I'm completely acknowledging it's an issue. And if someone has that concern, then come and talk to us and we can have a discussion about it. That's a new issue that's really recently become brought to our attention. Mm. And we haven't had a chance to digest it, understand it, work through it. And we can only do that when people raise it. And then we see, okay, well, what would work? What wouldn't work? Um, yeah, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's an issue and we don't have the answer right now. Um, it's only just come up. And, you know, we're also volunteering our time at those events too. And, and we're, we're in the same boat. We're also paying to go to those events. Yeah, that's what I was just going to ask. Do you guys also pay to attend those events? We do. Yep, every, everyone. We often have really cold meals because we're not actually there at the event. We're working so hard at that event, you know. Yeah. Hmm. A lot of our events also, like they're more of an awareness type thing and knowing you know what what quendo does and how like we build this community of people um like recently at our long lunch um I was sort of looking around and seeing just everyone having like a great time they're making new friendships they're you know discussing their own health and feeling comfortable with you know the gathering that we've created and that's at the end of the day like you know to feel involved in that like I know that well it's enough for me to see people get you know just the pure friendship out of the events and to get you know knowledge of um but yeah so yeah I guess it's it's different different for everybody yeah I and obviously I understand that for you personally you know you get a real kick out of um seeing those connections forming but everyone might have different motivations for why they want to volunteer at the events and I think it's just important to you know recognize that other people that will be volunteering will be making sacrifices to attend the events and accommodating them if if they aren't in the financial position to pay for a ticket maybe they bring their own lunch you know what I mean like it's is finding those ways that everybody can access because I personally have also been in the not-for-profit sector for a while and I've never had to pay to attend an event that I volunteered at so I think it's definitely based around experience as well and what people have come into contact with and now that you know that it is an issue I'm sure that there'll be things put in place so that everybody can can feel included and it's not every event you know there are events where we have received sponsorship and support and so we you know we've been able to 
like I don't like the word subsidize but cover those expenses mm. um, when Pete when volunteers if they have to travel then we offer them fuel reimbursement um, or if they need to you know fly somewhere not really these days but if they're out of pocket um, for those you know expenses and we do reimburse them for parking or or whatever um, and you know it's Quendo's only really kicked up in since for a couple of years really yeah so we're all kind of still learning um and, and that's why it's good to have these conversations because there's obviously quite sure. a few concerns that have been brought forward and now you guys have the platform to be able to answer them and then also learn and do the stuff about it so um while we're talking about volunteers there's been a lot of questions around volunteering in general um so i'm going to kind of start with the that volunteers must sign up for a period of 12 months attend 10 plus events or more and also that they are not able to volunteer for any other organization um those were three things about the volunteer contract that were raised quite consistently with me and i just wanted to give you guys the chance to explain why those things are in place so um okay so the 12 month is to talk about the commitment and you know often we would have um you know our annual general meeting and our, our agm and we would be planning out the year ahead and so quendo really focused on year by year and so we needed to understand if we were going to do these projects did we have people here that could um help with them People um, have and, and, and are still able to resign at any time and they do that by um, just letting us know. They don't, you know, it's, they, they're not held to the 12-month period. They're volunteers. Also, with regards to the 10 events, we actively say to people, now, look, in the agreement, it says this, but we don't hold anyone accountable to it. You know, we don't hold people to say, well, you've only been at two events this year, you need to be at more. That's not the situation there um that volunteer agreement is very out of date and we've been working for about five months to actually update that now to make sure um there, there needs to be a lot more information in there um, i mean it's 11 pages at the moment it's quite big yeah, i'm not sure it's quite big yeah it is quite big but and i think we, that can be really scary as someone who's written out volunteer contracts for people before when <laughs> you then get emailed an 11-page document, it can seem very yeah. intimidating and almost like you're potentially leaning more towards an employment-style contract, Absolutely. if that makes sense. <laughs> sure, yeah. It was our first ever agreement. like, And so we've taken so many notes over the years and um, we're working to do that. But that also takes legal money and legal support and legal time to get that in place yeah um as well and so and just to address the you know not working with any other end of charity that was again um we don't enforce that and in fact there are other people in quendo who do support and volunteer with other endo charities they just let us know and it's look a couple of years ago the end and, and the endo space is still doing this we're, we're just figuring out as organizations who we are and where we are in the sandpit who do we play with how who, what toys do we play with and how do we actually work together and you know and, and I, it's been a really difficult um space to navigate and then when the action plan came out people again still really didn't know how to work with each other only recently that 
it's actually really fantastic. Only recently have we been able to go, you know, we tried for many, many years to partner and, and collaborate with other organisations, but they were really just um, not sure about it. And, and everyone was like that. So it was a way to go, okay, what else are you doing? Who else are you involved with? Um, and, and out of those discussions, we've gone, okay, can we support that? Like, you know, there's a, a walk going on down south and we've been able to go, well, because you're volunteering with them and we know that they're doing a walk, we can put it up on our, our website and we can help um, raise that awareness because I know it sounds so cliche, but we are stronger together and we have very different ranges of platforms and people that we reach out um, and, you know, we can only do that by knowing. So that volunteer agreement is under review um, and there's so much that we need to learn. It was our first one yeah. that I think we put out in 2018. Um, and so we we need to update that and we, we are. Yeah, okay, that's good to know um, because there's been conversation as well around this idea that volunteers, while they're volunteers, are kind of made to feel that other organisations are almost the competition which sounds uh -huh. crazy to me because the endo space is so small we have very minimal people advocating for us as it is anyway um so I guess I'd just like to hear from your mouth that that's not the case yep. so look it's um it's such an interesting and such a fantastic point for years when Quendo was trying to collaborate with these other organizations we would be told you are a competitor you are, you are our competitor, why would we collaborate with you? And um, they say that quite openly, you know, when we were trying to get um, big things happen and big things lobby, and it all, always used to come down to that. I never agreed with it. I never agreed with it. And we've come from this place of trying to collaborate, trying to partner together. Um, so it's, you know, there was, with some other of the organizations there was this because it was literally said by them like that's that's the fact um and you know hadn't having having or knowing how to navigate a response to that because you can just be so startled like if someone comes and says to another organization says you're our competitor yeah right okay it really makes you realize okay wow they see this is perhaps a business and this is a business competitor and like I said earlier, the only real time we've been able to come together is to develop that national action plan. And it was literally the first time where we were forced to kind of play in that sandpit together, literally. Yeah, no. So it's where there's so much growth that has happened. And now it's so fantastic in the last few months for the first time ever, have we been able to pick up the phone to other organizations and then do that to us and say, hey, let's workshop this or hey, what are your thoughts about this? Mm. You know, people would have recently seen that we were able to promote Endometriosis Australia's research projects. And it was so great that we could do that. And they did, you know, they supported our app as well. That was the first time we've ever had that relationship. Yeah, because you two, you guys great. at the moment are the main players for us. Like you are both the people that yeah. um, dedicate your organisation to research, to advocating, to doing you know all the things that we need to do so to hear that there might potentially be like two people or two organizations sorry working against each other just didn't really make sense because it was 
yeah, it's not that we were like, we were never actively working against each other. We just, um, there was just a lot of questions that we raised with other endo orgs because we wanted to know what their priorities were and we just never heard anything back. And so we were like, okay, well, what do we actually do? What do we focus on? And Quendo is always focused on support. So we really went down that path. So I've been really going on about that for a while and it's starting to change. Yeah. Um, and other people agree, like it's starting to change. There is a lot of people involved. There are a lot of personalities involved and everyone just needs to put that aside because we need to keep going at this action plan. We need to keep pushing forward. We need better access to healthcare. We need opinions of so many more people out there than those that are already coming forward. That's how diversification happens by people sharing their stories. And we see that online, but it also needs to be done in a way that we can then take that to the health department and go, these are real issues. We need to push this forward. And we did that to get the action plan up. It needs to keep going. Exactly. And ultimately the action plan is a result of teamwork. And when yeah. approaching other organizations or trying to ask other organizations for help, that's your proof that working together and not being, you know, separate is always going to be better, especially in such a small space, right? Because yeah. We feel yeah. very small already with more of our voices and more people. We're only going to make more noise. And when I, I remember um, the meeting, when we all came together before the action plan was even developed, we all were just put together in a room. And I'm talking people who for decades never saw eye to eye. I'm talking about people who wouldn't even talk to each other. This is, you know, on a national level across many universities, many different organizations many different sectors and um when I think about this I, I I cry because um those people in that room on that day it's really overwhelming um they completely agreed there was no disagreements about what needed to happen and they all agreed that this was such an issue and it needed to be pushed forward and it was just like magical to have everyone's opinions and egos put at the door and come together and go, this needs to happen. I totally agree with you. We talked about, um, you know, gender diverse people. We talked about the, the access to GPs. We talked about the low socioeconomic people not able to get into what the care that they need. We talked about multidisciplinary care. We talked about skills education, the need for research. Um, there was so much discussed and everyone said, yes, like we need this. And it was just amazing. And that's, when people come together, that is what can happen. Yeah. yeah. I guess good to know that those conversations are being had, even if we don't necessarily know about them. And it obviously has to be some level of, you can't talk about everything straight away because there's rules That's around right. what's allowed to be disclosed, yeah. when you're allowed to disclose it, who's allowed to disclose it. And I do completely understand that. And when we, so I am an advisor on the endometriosis advisory group to the National Action Plan. And um, that we, we are, we sign confidentiality agreements, which it's, it's a federal, it's a federal um, health, right? We, we do that. And I'm constantly, constantly advocating every meeting. Well, we've got this particular project that receives some money. Show me the data or the measurables or the objectives that you're working towards. And I want to see, is this actually making an impact? You know, there are some projects that I personally disagree with um, because I don't think that is where, 
the greatest bucket of money could have been spent or the right organisation to deliver that project. And I personally believe that. So we are advocating, but even at that level, it's so hard to, to um, you know, to, to turn things around once they're already in motion, I guess. But we're trying and we will continue to try. Yeah, so just to clarify, so people are allowed to help and volunteer with other organisations whilst fulfilling their, you know, volunteer what's the word obligations not obligations but they're the things that they'll serve they do with quando you won't ever have a problem with someone spreading themselves let's just say for example i was to volunteer for quando i could also volunteer for endo australia or something else yep yep and people do people currently who are volunteering with us do that okay so um continuing along the volunteering topic there has been quite a few messages sent and questions asked regarding whether or not you guys are actually aware that bullying has occurred to some staff and volunteer members and that that's the reason that some people have left. First of all, I want to clear up whether or not you're aware of it because I think that's really important. Well, I think, you know, bullying is a huge word and if someone feels as though that they've been bullied, that's horrible and I'm so sorry that they feel that way. Um, Bullying is when someone intentionally hurt someone who's vulnerable right so that's horrible I'm not aware of I have not received any personal emails or concerns where someone has said I am being bullied and I have checked in with other leaders and asked them directly have you heard of anyone who has raised a concern of bullying with you and then I've also asked them have you seen any bullying anything that has been or could be bullied um so like to answer that question no not in that no okay so in that case the people that do feel that there's been bullying or mistreatment or um things or circumstances that have made them feel rubbish or um upset what's the process for somebody to make a complaint about how they're being treated Sure. So within Quendo, we have streams. We have all these different services, all these different projects, and we have streams. So there's also often leaders of those streams, and they work really closely with that team. Then those stream leaders, we call them heads of teams. We like to call them hotties. (laughs) And we have regular monthly meetings where um, we come together. Those heads of teams um, can and and do raise any concerns or questions with management. So that's the president, vice president, well, we don't have a vice president at the moment, um, treasurer, secretary. Um, so there's like, like the, the levels, yeah? So if people have concerns, they can raise them with the stream lead. So that's the, hot, the heads of the team, or they can raise them directly with me, or if they don't feel comfortable raising them with me, any other member of the team that they feel comfortable with. They could, if they don't even feel comfortable sharing um, who they are, they can do that anonymously. And if where possible, we could work through that. How would you anonymously do that? It completely depends on the situation. But so, you know, it might, if it's about communication, we could do some training about how to communicate with people, or we could do a general check-in to see is everyone okay? 
one-on-one um, -on -one sessions to see if they are at capacity, if there's something going on in their life. Um, it, it depends, like if there's a particular issue between two people, then we need to be really cautious and careful that is one of those people under a lot of stress within the organisation, without the organisation um, and vice versa. I know that, you know, some one volunteer um, raised concerns with me um, sometimes this, one time this year. And I said to them, what, I said, what do you want to do? Um, tell me what you want to do. And they would like, they wanted to go down a mediation. And I thought, that's great. Okay, sure, we can do that. I asked that individual, um, what can Quendo do for them personally? Um, what can Quendo do for them as an organisation? And then I asked them, what can I do for you personally? We asked about that person's workload. We asked about if, where can we help? Essentially, where can we help? Um, we had an amazing, amazing HR person on the team at that time. And they, um, they were very, you know, completely neutral. That's their role, that's their career. And they were able to conduct a mediation time, a meeting with um, the two individuals and work through that. And we were able to come to particular things that they wanted to resolve. We gave them both um, an opportunity to talk and share and, you know, how could we move forward? And, and both parties agreed with that. And then, unfortunately, um, one of those individuals resigned after that. The plan after that was to then follow up. And we said this in that meeting, you know, in six weeks time or four weeks time, depending on how often those two individuals would have worked together, if they would have worked together, you know, daily, we could have checked in much sooner. But those two individuals, because of their roles, um, they wouldn't have, you know, worked together so closely. So we look at a time to see, what is a reasonable time to see and check in how things are going? And um, that was the plan moving forward. Okay. Does that, um, does that help? It does help. So um, that concern was raised obviously this year, but it unfortunately resulted in that person resigning. Um, what's the process for Quendo just generally checking in on their volunteers? You know, um, how often do you make sure that people are okay with the workload? um you know is it three months is it six months is it 12 months okay so it it depends on the stream again so for our support team we put out a request for roster I think it's around every two to three months we ask them how are you all going what capacity do you have we have the roster coming up for the next few months what works for you what doesn't and people often say hey I just need a break and that's totally okay and we take that into consideration we don't roster them um, if people are talking or they've received a particular heavy call, they're often, well, they're really strongly encouraged to, to pick up one of the phone to me or the head of support to just talk through that and process it. Because it can be really heavy, some of the situations. Yeah. For our Quendo meets, um, often Ash actually reaches out to them and say, hey, how did you go? Like, how are you? Um, and that's happened just recently where we're saying, are you okay? How did it go? What do you need? Um, and so forth. When we have our stream leads, we ask them to also reach out to the volunteers and they build such a relationship with some of those team members. Um, they can, you know, raise anything if they feel comfortable to. With our other programs, again, they have, you know, either a halfway through the program type meeting to check in. Um, it's just trying to put face, you know, in, in give people an option to do that. 
but we also have we also share in our particular um, organizational group if you need anything we're here for you if you need help just hear our numbers sing out every hops meeting we are asking what do you need what are your barriers are you okay um, how can we help and then our management meetings are the same every meeting we're raising up projects and ideas and what what we're doing next and it's always okay who what kind of human power do you need to help get that through if people don't communicate with us that they're at capacity within Quendo or with externally because you know people are living with chronic conditions they're going through IVF you know some people have gone through really hard times you know miscarriages and loss of relationships there's a lot to take into consideration and um we, we invite them to share with us, are you at capacity? You know, people are studying, people are working. And that's the biggest thing when people come and volunteer with us, they say, you know, I've got a lot going on. And, and we say, that's okay. Look, because almost everyone else is as well. Like you're yeah. human. Um, just tell us what your capacity is. And if that changes, that's okay. It is okay. Because okay. look, this has happened over, the, over, over time. Someone's raised their hand and said, I need help with this. And I've literally seen, Four people come and say, how can I help? I'm here. How can I help? Um, so that's what we do. Yeah, and okay. we'll continue to grow and, and help with that. Yeah. If people don't share that they're, that they're feeling a certain way, though, or at capacity, we don't know. And we don't know to do anything about it. Okay. It just means that people that might be listening, that might be volunteering, that might be feeling like that, they yeah. can feel comfortable um, to come Dude. to whoever they, their stream lead or to yourself or to Ash or to whoever and just say, you know, I'm not sure I've got the capacity to take this on at the moment, um, which is good because that's how all organisations should be. Yeah, and I think it comes from, um, you know, showing vulnerability. Like it's it's actually so hard to show vulnerability. It's, it's literally being vulnerable. So we're really like I know Brene Brown who's an amazing if you've ever if you've not heard of Brene Brown check her I out. think everyone's um, heard of Brene Brown haven't they <laughs> I hope so I hope so um I've learned a lot from her and trying to be vulnerable and show up um as my vulnerable self and we all do it you know we have meetings in our pajamas with you know no merit hair and makeup on we're being vulnerable we're sharing how we're feeling and we'll continue to do that because if we can be how can we expect other people to share and be vulnerable with us if we're not doing it ourselves? Okay. Ash, did you have something you wanted to add? Just, just literally said it. Oh. <laughs> you, know, you, feel, you know, if you, you know, you need to reach out and let us know, like if you don't tell us, then we, we can't help. Um, like recently for me, I had to go through IVF and I remember saying to the girls, look, I'm starting my first lot of injections. I don't know how this is going to go. Please bear with me. Um, and that went across the whole of the Quendo group was, you know, Ash might be a little bit off for the next, you know, week, you know, please be, you know, please be aware. But if anything happens, you know, please reach out. So yeah. it's all, about, you know, sharing and knowing, you know, when you go, crap, I've had too much or I need a break, please, you know. So, yeah, sharing with us as much as you can and as much as you feel confident and, you know, capable with, like yeah. we really appreciate that. Okay. And there are some people who don't actually want to share or up for us to disclose that. So again, recently someone said, look, 
um, I'm, I'm just a little bit all over the shop and they, they, you know, couldn't make a particular meeting or a session. And so we just let everyone know that they couldn't make it and that they were busy because they were, you know, it doesn't have to be, um, you know, you don't have to share your story if you're not ready or you're not comfortable. Um, But if we know, then we can help you through that. Yeah. Awesome. All right. I think that's all the questions asked about funding and volunteering. At least I hope it is anyway. They were the main ones that I got and I think you got as well. So we are going to move on to questions I received regarding the specialists referral list. Now, Quendo has a feature on the website where you can search for specialists local to your area that have been recommended. They can contact those specialists and hopefully have a successful experience with them. That's the ultimate aim. It's essentially a place where people can find the right professional for them. So my first question is, how do you choose the specialists that you recommend? Um, I would like to just raise the point that currently Dr. Graham Trunk has two active complaints against him, but is on the specialists referral list. I've had uh, multiple messages about uh, Dr. Michael Wynne-Williams and obviously Dr. Omar Adam, who was actually recently on an ABC documentary after his surgeries led to several women ending up in hospital um, with lifelong complications. So I just think that's really important to note. And then, yeah, if you can just answer how it is that you choose the specialist that you recommend and how do they stay on there? When are they removed? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So it's it's not only doctors, it's any health professional. So we are medically apolitical. And the reason for that is because we have no right to decide someone's health values. And if we can in any way provide a list of people who, whether or not someone values acupuncture um, or they value an excision specialist or they value a psychologist, I don't, whoever, if we can find someone who um, has really good patient outcomes, who is really involved and up to date with credible information behind them, um, we share that information. Mm-hmm. How people get on that list is by peer recommendations. So we hear of someone who's had an experience with a particular individual and it's a positive one, you know, or sometimes they're negative and we put them on a little list to watch. So If someone is recommending someone, we will put them on a list and we have a very specific criteria that we go through. A former volunteer who is, she's just, she was just brilliant and she's probably, I'm sure she still is brilliant. She's got a nursing background and she would very specifically contact the individual to get to know them, build a relationship, try to understand who they are, who they see um, and, and, you know, where are they in this I guess, circus, (laughs) Um, then we would look at their credentials. So specifically for a um, a specialist, we'd say, okay, what kind of training have they done? Who did they train with? If they are an up and coming, we want to know who who they did their fellowship under. We want to know if they've done something like the Aegis training, um, which is the Australian, uh, I think it's the Australian Gynae and Endoscopy Society. So they deliver specific training for advanced laparoscopic surgery particularly for endo, Um, all of that comes into it. Then we want to know, do they have a special interest in IVF, adolescence? Um, You know, are they great with people for hysterectomy? Are they great with people for 
listening or do they have what kind of bedside manager they have there's all of those types of things that go into it if they meet the criteria then we also look at online so we look to see are people having good um, experiences with them or are people having negative what's actually going on there if we notice a trend where we're seeing people who have had negative experiences with an individual we watch them like we, we put them on a watch list and we observe because we we need to remember there may be three or four people who have had a negative experience but there might be a hundred people that have had a really positive experience and so we need to balance that out and we talk through it there are people over the years who have been removed from that list and I have had to specifically pick up the phone sometimes and call them and say look we've noticed that you know there's been some negative outcomes we're actually going to remove you from our list and we've built a relationship with them we, we let them know that if we then watch them they go on the watch list if over time they change or they might do extra training or we see a different trend then over time they may be added back onto the list so it's it's constantly moving it's constantly being updated um, and, and there's a lot of factors involved into this. It's not just one person's opinion. It's a collective of the individual, their credentials. Health professionals also change their interests over time. So, you know, 10 years ago, they might have been really involved in endo. And in the last five years, we've seen, you know, trends of them not being as involved or not being as great in their education or knowledge or whatever. And so, you know, we need to take all that into consideration as well. Is Dr. Adam, Omar Adam, still on the referral list? That doctor has never been on a referral list of ours. We don't have a referral list for Canberra, for the ACT. Um, and we have one that we're preparing, um, but it's not at the stage where we are comfortable publishing it. So the only, um, you know, we don't have a referral list for that area. They've never been on a referral list of ours. And um, Dr. Graham Tronk? Dr. Graham Tronk and Dr. Michael Wynne-Williams is currently on our referral list. Okay. And are they on the watch list because of the active complaints that are against them? They are. And only recently, you know, literally on, I don't know, Thursday or Friday, that from those messages online, we didn't know that they were being investigated by APRA. Like we don't have privilege or knowledge into that system to actually know about it unless someone actually directly complains with us or raises that concern and they can do that by just emailing support at quendo.org.au um, it's actually on you know people can raise their concerns and until we receive that we can't take any action um, because like I said while four people might have had a terrible experience or an adverse experience there are a hundred other people that, are, that have got a good experience and we need to weigh that up so if we do receive a complaint or a concern it goes on our watch list we start observing and the team are already doing that already. But when the complaints are really severe, do you think that it might be a better way of approaching it would be to remove them from the list and watch them rather than still keeping them on there? Because that can be really traumatic and very triggering for some people. And is there a way that, it, that the process could maybe be altered or changed? You make a really good point and we'll absolutely take that on board. It's, we're still work, you know, we're working through all of this as well. Like it's constantly changing. The way that we ran the referral list the last few years isn't how it was run previous to that. And we're 
it's a moving beast. Um, you know, the we kind of like I I think that we can definitely and we will definitely take that on board and look at how we could do that. But we actually need people to start raising ideas like you've just had for us to improve this particular yeah. part. Um, there are like we categorize particular you know, that that person might be great with IVF, they might be great with pelvic pain, they might be great with um, hysterectomy. And perhaps we're seeing a trend where they're not so great with adolescents. So we'll remove that component of their category. So we wouldn't recommend an adolescent to go to them. Or we wouldn't, you know, we don't recommend anything actually, but we wouldn't say, um, you know, that adolescent, this is an adolescent guy in these staged approaches. Um, And to go back to your point earlier, like, there are times where we've noticed that a doctor or an individual or a health professional has been recommended, but we've noticed that they're just, they're not someone that actually any of us would be comfortable being treated by either. Um, So we've gone and given them education. Like they might've had something as simple as having the definition of endo wrong, which is just such a trigger. Mm. It's super annoying. (laughs) So we bring them in, we give them education, we send them resources, we, we encourage them to start upskilling um, and get them involved in, in understanding the importance of a pelvic or physio or X, Y, and Z. Yeah. yeah, it's really important that with such a list, it is interchangeable and people will yeah, be removed sure. if they are not doing what they should be doing. That kind of leads us on to the next question because are there any specialists or are specialists on the referral list making financial contributions to Quendo? Because some people could potentially see that as a conflict of interest. And I guess I just want to clear that up with you on Ash. Maybe that's sure. an Ash question. I'm not sure. So yeah, yes. Like there are some individuals who donate to Quendo. And those individuals, some of them are on the referral list, but in no way at all does that imply or, you know, in no way impacts our care that we give, who we refer um, or or how or or where they are involved in the organisation. Like literally it does not. We, um, when we're listening or hearing from someone who is working with an individual, we are always recommending second opinion, third opinions, fourth opinions. And it comes down to, you know, where the individual is at their time. Um, Those individuals, you know, they might be donating for specific things. Um, It might be for a specific project or program. Like there is one guy down the Gold Coast who, well, it's a clinic that's donated some money to get education into Gold Coast schools. Um, You know, there was some donations from, from doctors who donated to get the PET program pilot into Queensland um, and so there are some big money a bit like there's some you know like five or ten thousand dollar buckets that are given to those projects um, and there's only one individual who donates under two thousand dollars a year um, to fund a very specific operational side of um, Quendo which is agreed upon and and like that, that's it yeah. <laughs> like we don't get huge amounts of money there's no they don't influence in any way. Um, there are specific people who uh, will really align with particular doctors and there are other people who don't. And it, it's completely up to that individual. Yeah. Okay. And if uh, said specialist or, you know, person on the referral list is removed from the list, 
has that ever impacted their financial contributions in the past what's the kind of relationship there yeah. because obviously it can be a concern for some people that you may not be quick to remove someone because they give a regular contribution every year but you know are we able to see maybe the people that the doctors and the uh, practitioners on the list that do make financial contributions so that the, the transparency is is there so people we cannot disclose as a charity um, without someone's consent that they've donated but some you know medical professionals who donate to us actually advertise it themselves <laughs> like they have said whether it might be on the end of a, a form or on you know on social media that they have donated x amount of dollars to the organization because they're really proud of it too um they're regardless of any financial contribution it would absolutely not come into any decision around whether or not they stay on the referral list if them being off the referral list results in a lack of donation from them that that doesn't even matter like because we can't sleep at night like I could not sleep at night if I we were if we were you know suggesting someone who was doing harm to people over financial gain like that just that's just crazy to me and that's crazy to the organization and the people involved so to be clear if someone's removed from the list and they they receive we receive a financial contribution from them um obviously we will let them know but they're that they're being removed from the list if that impacts their willing to donate at all well then that's that's the situation if they're you know if they're willing to understand that this is what we've received and I think a lot of people in this space um, will understand that you know that it's on them if they choose to continue to donate and uh, yeah. you know ongoing and in in terms of maybe the the practitioners that you do have on the list do you think that it could be put to them that the community would like to know who's making yep. donations and that could be something that from here on out could be implemented because at least if people are given you know the choice you might not get everybody on that list to say yes but you might get some people that say yep completely fair enough and then that's something that we can have and we can see when we are looking at that list too yeah you make a really good point and we will we can ask them for their consent to say um can we make like a little asterisk <clears throat> under their name to say that they yeah. um donate to quindo and you know like look there are literally there are there's one ongoing you know annual that's only been annual in the last year donation or regular donation which is like 140 something dollars a month um and other than that like there's only other one clinic on the gold coast that's donated that lump sum like it's not all these huge you know these doctors sharing their money like how good would that be we could get so much more work done but it's not the case and you know there's there's just two people really yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, even if it is just two, what that does is it shows transparency for those choosing to use your resource. And it also shows, you know, a willingness on your part to make those changes. So that will definitely be something that I think people will be looking out for. Um, another topic that I wanted to cover was in relation to your sex work or sex worker policy that was shared. Does Quendo accept, respect and support sex workers' rights? Pretty direct, but straight to the point of course we do sex workers are people too like they're workers too um you know it's we actually were recently in a meeting with other um 
other organisations because we're working towards a strategy and listening and hearing about some of their um, barriers to healthcare is actually disgusting. So of course we support their rights and we support them as people. I actually have friends who are sex workers. I do too. Yeah. And so, um, you know, the, the post that was shared about that particular, um, you know, part is, was actually out of date and, um, it was, you know, that, that wording was carried over from when the website was developed initially from past people in the organization who, um, were very close-minded and have since moved on. Um, there's a lot that we need to work on in this space. Mm -hmm. Um, and we have, again, we have some people now who can appropriately or, you know, help guide us into this because look, I, I don't know what it's like to work in that space and how dare I make up anything, you know, to put any words in their mouth, I guess is what I'm saying. So we need people who have that experience to help us advocate for them or help us write something for them as well um it's you know it's a constant moving beast again um and in Queensland you know they have we obviously have um you know legal services in that area other states don't have that um but look it's it's a big one and it's you know what was shared up online is you know, out of date. It's not just for people that might not online. have seen. Um, it says Quendo will not partner with organizations in the alcohol, tobacco, weapons, arms, or sex industries, or with an organization that plans to use relationships as a means to solely enhance that organization's reputation or to promote a specific product. Um, so I think it was in relation to that specific bit that says sex industries. Yeah. Um, and that has and that has not been up online for four months for five months I think okay so that's an old screenshot that um so we were working with some absolutely amazing amazing organizations and businesses around redefining what even the word sex is um you know talking about pleasure and like pleasure is so important for helping pelvic pain you know all of that um and we've we've been able to do some really cool stuff with some people um, and, you know, we would love to continue to do that. We, when that was raised with me, that initial, that particular um, concern months ago, I was so shocked. I didn't know about it. And we immediately reviewed it and um, changed it because that is not a reflection. No. Okay. That's good to know. It was just about making sure that if somebody is a sex worker, that's not going to affect them receiving help from the organization, volunteering for the organization, being discriminated against in any way? Not at all. And I would encourage them if they feel able to encourage them to volunteer with us so that we can have that voice at the table. Like we are only as good as the people that have the voices at the table. And if you don't feel as though, I've said this before, if you don't feel as though you have a seat at the table, bring your camping chair and come along. Like reach out to us. We we want to work with you all. We always have. It's that diversification of voices at the table um, that has got us where we are today. And that's where we will continue to see real change. Yeah. I have personally helped my friends who are in the sex work industry and, you know, sex industry in general, 
um, do particular bits of work and help them with their endo journey. And I've seen how they can be so poorly treated in the health system. And that is just disgusting and not okay. You know, something, it's one of our volunteers that's been really, really hit to me um, recently, um, you know, very recently, they said, not every doctor or health professional is right for the one person and not every organization is right for one person either. And that's okay. It is totally okay. So there are other pockets of support going on in, you know, in recent and have been going on for a long time. And look, if that aligns with you, if you feel comfortable there, please join them because it doesn't have to be with us, but you just need support. Like this is a really shitty disease. Um, and we often say like, you know, shitty, shitty club, best people, go and find your people, go and find that club that works for you. Yeah. Okay. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is trans and fuzz nations people. Um, so in reference to changing your name to be more inclusive, are you planning on taking action in terms of creating focus groups to consult with trans people, non-binary, gender diverse people, and that includes people of colour and First Nations people in order to be able to help you develop resources, develop your support um, and give guidance for those minority groups? Yeah, for sure. We started doing this with the app and it was so amazing. And we um, we also started doing it we've we've started working on reviewing and redoing all of our resources and we put out a call um to people uh, I can't even remember if it was this year or last year um to start working on that and so there are these bodies of work that were set up in 2018-19 that we need to review um and you know people can jump onto the website if they want to be a part of a particular project to get involved in we have over the years, tried to, um, and we have reached out to people who are of a diverse, you know, transgender, you know, of all different cultures, um, very diverse group to invite them to even be an ambassador, um, to talk with us, be put a blog up, um, be involved in a project, then, um, or, or just get their general the feedback and opinion. And we have um, brought them on board and they've shared different things you know that really set up the whole change of name it really pushed on the whole um, change of our phone line all of those things the change about the, the name change of our programs to be more inclusive but look we've got so much more work to do in that space for sure and come and help us do it like we we don't know what people of those backgrounds need and we actually have no right to know that either or, or say that. So come and help us make sure that it, it is inclusive. Um, we can only do what we can do with what we know. Like yeah. I said that just before. And with those different little partnerships, we've been able to change and improve things. And there's so much more to do. Yeah, absolutely. And the best way for people to contact you in regards to getting involved and helping with those changes is the info um at quendo email yeah or on the website there's a part where you can put a volunteer um application in like it's a form online and you could say that i'm really keen to talk more about you know this particular area we recently had someone i think they were um they they i can't remember what they what culture what background they were but um they they were a person of color 
and they were sharing, they were wanting to know different people's experiences accessing and being diagnosed with endometriosis in Australia. And, um, you know, we asked them if they would share their story, if they'd be open to it, and they weren't at that stage um, ready to. Um, and that's okay. If there are any other people who are brave enough to do that, we want to know those stories because we're constantly evolving and we do that through people being brave enough to share. Yeah, of course. I'm going to flick to another question or another kind of area from that because there's been some comments made about the board members being predominantly white cis women and a lot of people feel like there is next to no representation. How are board members chosen? Okay, so now I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. We recognise that and it comes to people putting up their hand and saying, I want to be involved in the organisation, right? Like if, if there's no one to choose, like we can choose the people that are involved because, yeah, how people are chosen to be board members, they go through a recruitment process um, and, you know, we're about to actually open that up. So if anyone wants to be involved, it's a recruitment process where people will be putting in their, their CV, a cover letter, um, the, it'll outline what's involved and that'll go through a normal recruitment process, essentially like a volunteer recruitment process. Yeah. Um, in the past, people have been um, nominated by other people in the, the team um, or by members. And then it's essentially a voting system. Um, it also takes in consideration, you know, um, you know, at that level, it's quite significant. So what is their involvement in the community? What's their contribution? Um, who are they? Uh, have they been involved in Quendo for a shorter period of time? Um, you know, how have they helped? What have they done? Do they have their the best intentions um, in, in being involved? Um, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot to that. But in the past, it's been really hard to find people who want to be involved in that at that level, to be honest. Like, it really yeah. has been difficult. Even this year, we were like, oh, my gosh, we were really concerned that we wouldn't find, um, we wouldn't find people. Yeah, okay. And that's being put up for review soon or, like, th that you're, so, you're putting a call yeah. out for um, more yeah. board members soon? Yeah. And people... Um, you know, people are volunteering, so they need to consider whether or not it's something that they can do. And in the past, um, it, it hasn't been, like, to be honest, the way that this has been, you know, done hasn't been done actually, in my opinion, the best way that it could be done, right? It's always been, oh, who can we help? Who can we get to hold these positions? Because there are a lot of work. There are a lot of work. And people in the community may not have been at that space or, they um, in our group may not have felt ready as well so if we can do a recruitment drive where we invite people to be on that board um, then hopefully we can get some more people power under what we're doing and bring in that inclusivity and branch off into these different projects and build out more streams to cover these different things yeah um, yeah Okay, and that will be made available on your website and socials, I'm assuming, when all that kind of stuff's going on. We were hoping to have this particular um, drive actually be published last week, but that didn't happen um, for obvious reasons. So we, um, the, the team have reviewed the role description 
And what we'll do is we'll share it with our Quendo team that are currently um, involved um, out of respect to them. And then it will go out to um, you know, our social media. And we'll also um, put it out to our members, obviously, in the upcoming newsletter. But it will be on the website as a form to put their submissions in. Okay. So I just have one more final question, I think. And then we've come to the end of the questions. But it's just about First Nations people and how you include them in Quendo. Yeah, sure. We're pretty lucky and I'm actually grateful to have some First Nations people involved in Quendo in various, you know, various ways, whether or not they're being a volunteer. Um, but again, we're guided by we're guided by by those communities. Um, there are some parts that we are trying to share education with particular communities. And it's we need to be really mindful of the sensitivities of those specific groups. So as an example, um, there is a particular group I know in the Northern Territory who, um, you know, they actually prefer, in quotation marks, a white person coming in to their group and sharing education. But that is not the case for a group in South Australia or a group in, you know, Southeast Queensland. So we're trying to educate um, the right people, going about it the right way to um, share education, but also invite them to be involved. And, and again, if, if people are willing to be involved, because it's a big issue, like we don't know a lot about that specific community and their, in, their, their um, experiences with endometriosis, their access to healthcare. And it's spoken about at uh, across several research projects that I'm on. And whenever I see that they're, going to specifically reach out and ask First Nations people about their experiences. It's a big tick, but they need to do it in, in the right way, just like we need to do it in the right way. Um, yeah. And again, we'll be guided by them. We have no right to tell any other, um, you know, community or person how to engage with their group of people because yeah. that's so disrespectful and, um you know, my, what I learned about the app, like, can I just quickly say that when I went into developing and building out the app, it was so fantastic because I realized like all of these things that I thought should be in the app were completely thrown out mm. <laughs> as soon as we started talking to other people. And that was just such a huge thing where regardless of any of our opinions, we can do the best work that we can with them. But at the end of the day, we need diverse opinions to come and help us yeah so I do agree that obviously having more people at the table for those discussions is entirely necessary I think it's just whether or not those people want to or are ready to be at the table so in relation to all of the topics that we have discussed and what can be done to make things right I want to ask about how often Quendo meets to devise the plans that are going to be needed when things like this do arise I know that obviously there is an AGM that happens with the board members each year, but do you meet more regularly than that? Are the minutes to those meetings available for us to see? All of these things that we've talked about, they are going to require some action from you, but how are people going to see that things are actually changing? Well, I would like to actually know how people want to receive that information. Like, yeah. so 
um, we can put a status report up on our website that people can go and check in. If people are members, we can put it in our newsletters. Um, if people, so at the AGM, the AGM is a very specific and almost robotic um, process. So we must hold as a charity an AGM every year. And it talks about very specific things. It's very, very short. Um, however, what we are, what, so when we bring on this board with these new people, then we're going to go into the part of a strategic plan, which is I'm just so excited about. So those voices, and we can share this out into you know, hold hold focus groups and hold, um, you know, online forums to ask people what people sh or members, what should be in that strategic plan. And then uh, from there, we can agree on that as a collective um, that are members with Quendo um, and because we're a membership organisation. And then but from the membership there... membership is free, right? The membership is oh, free. Yeah, membership is free. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. For sure, for sure. Just want so, to clear that up for people so they don't think that yeah. they have to be no, a paying no. member in order to have a voice because no. you don't have to. That's right, correct. So membership's free. You just jump online. You can sign up from there. It's all free. Um, and then from there, we do this operational plan that goes in. So sorry, we do a strategic plan that goes into an operational plan, which then informs a comms social media plan. Yeah, that's like what a business does. That's what every company, every charity does or should do. So we can then provide updates on that operational or strategic plan. So those plans will be, the strategic plan will be made public, available on the website, most strategic plans are, and um, holding quarterly forums might be a way to go, okay, here's, this was our objective, here's where we are, this is our tracking towards it. Yeah. Um, and if we put it up on the members hub, we can put that in there too. I really um, think that that would be yeah, so yeah, beneficial sure. because, I think the main thing that's come out from the conversations I've been having and the questions I've been getting and you guys have been getting is that we don't care if things aren't like, let's take, you know, we don't care if people are being paid. We don't care if things aren't necessarily going in a direction or doing or, you know, projects aren't achieving necessarily what they were supposed to achieve, but it's the transparency around it and saying, okay, we're not where we're at right now but this is where we want to be and this is how we're going to get there. So I definitely think that having something every quarter available on the website is going to make people feel more comfortable in, you know, keeping on top of what you guys are doing because essentially you're there to advocate for us and make changes for us and yourselves as well as people with um, endo, adeno, you know, all the things. So I definitely think that that would be very beneficial for us to see, yeah. yeah. What a great idea. Like that's that's a fantastic idea. Um, and I think we could easily do that. Yeah. And then it, we could back it up with a quarterly forum where people can come and talk and share. And um, but if we can have people involved in that strategic plan, because that sets what we do for the next three years. Yeah. Uh, it's a big process. We've been involved in some of those. It's a very big process. <laughs> and the more people that you have at the table, like you say, the, the more things that you're going to be able to, to put in place. So I think that has brought us to the end of all the questions. I just want to say thank you to yourself, Jess and Ash, for taking the time to come on and answer all the questions directly with me and giving us some positive changes that we can actually look out for in the future. I've said this before and I'll keep saying it, but our community is one that is quite small at the moment, but it is pretty mighty and we ultimately all just want the same things. And so 
it's really important that we just work together as much as we can. Like, can I, um, can I thank people that have raised concerns? Because like, if we can get some of this stuff done, how great would it be? Like really, truly. And if people have um, other concerns or individual concerns, please come and talk to us. We can, we're happy to sit down and have a conversation with you to learn about what happened. Um, how can we improve just like we've done here today and use your experience as a learning opportunity. And I know that sounds like corporate BS, but I'm just sorry, but I'm just really genuinely so sorry that if anyone has experienced something and we just want to make it better, please email us at info at quendo.org.au if, um, if there are individuals with concerns so we can organise a, a session to talk um, and, yeah, work through and move forward. Yeah, move forward. That's the main goal, isn't it? Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey guys, just me popping on at the end to say a big thank you for listening. If you did like the episode, please share it on your socials and give us a tag just so we know that you're there. You can also leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts or you can like and subscribe on Spotify. See you soon for season two.